All right, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I want to, will you not be offended by what I tell you tonight? Good, I was going to tell you anyway. We want to talk tonight about Jesus, our burden bearer. We want to talk about Jesus, our burden bearer tonight. And we're going to talk about stress and worry and fear and the problems of life crunching down on you. Jesus, our burden bearer. And we're going to look at that tonight. And the Bible talks about Jesus, that our Savior needs to become our burden bearer. Now, I'm just going to write out the block. I'm just going to tell you. Jesus can be your Savior, not be your burden bearer. And just like you let him be your Savior, you've got to let him be your burden bearer. And it, why would you let him be your Savior if he can't bear your burdens? If he can't carry the load in life? Now, we're going to look at Scripture tonight. Are you humble enough to receive what he's got to say? Many people are mistaken. When you walk with Jesus, it's not how big your head is, it's how big your heart is. You can have a great big old head and he'll hide from you. But if your heart is right, he'll talk to you. Let's read that in the scripture. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 says this. Strange scripture says this. Now Jesus is praying, talking to his father. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Now, of course, babe there doesn't mean 18 months and younger. It means childlike or humble. Now, isn't that the opposite of what we think? That if you're, you're humble and young, you don't know anything. But if you're real smart, you know everything. What did the Bible say? That God hides things from people. Who does he hide things from? The wise and prudent. Another translation says in their own eyes. But who does he show things to? People with a humble attitude. So obviously there's some things you need to be able to see. And one of the things he's going to show you tonight, you have to be humble to be able to see. Now, if you're, if you're really wired on the intellectual side and you really think, like to think things through, you're going to struggle tonight. How about let's just be like children tonight and believe what he says. Amen. Let him show you something. Be humble and childlike. Just let him show you something tonight. Here's what, and these things, here it is. It begins in verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You know what heavy laden means? You know what the word laden means? burdened. It mean, literally means weighted down. Well, <clears throat> every truck in America that moves has to have something in it called a bill of lading. And it, it, they, you have to hand that to the trooper. And that's how much weight is on that truck or what's loaded on that truck. It's called a bill of lading. The word laden means loaded down, heavy. What did Jesus say? If, you're, if, you're, if life has got you weighted down, if you're laboring and life has got you weighted down, come to me and I'll give you rest. Now, rest doesn't mean a nap there. It's the word restoration. I'll heal you. Take my yoke and learn from me. And we do need to learn this from him. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. And here's one of the most life-changing verses. My yoke is easy. My burden is what? Light. So Jesus said, if life's got you weighted down and your problems are heavy on you and you got stress in your life, come see me. And let me teach, learn from me. Let me teach you this. And you'll live your life not weighted down. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. Can you see from this passage, even if you don't know how to do it, we're going to look at how to do it tonight. Can you see from this passage that it's not the will of God that you be weighted down and worried and loaded down with the cares of life? Can't you see that? And can't you see that he's saying, if you'll follow me and learn from me and just let, let, take my yoke, let, walk with me, you, you won't have the burdens of life weighing on you so heavy. Life won't be rough on you. Uh, this is especially appropriate in our nation right now. It is not the Father's will for His children to live their lives burdened and weighted down. Uh, you know, I make fun of old songs that are unbiblical, old Christian songs that are unbiblical. Just a few more weary days and I'll fly away. Absolutely unscriptural. It's not the Father's will that you live weary. 
That's, he doesn't want that. We, we ought to knock the religion off this stuff. And it's not your father's will that you be weighted and that the cares of life weigh you down like they're doing people today. Here's the reason. The burdens and the problems of life and family and stress and COVID in America right now, they will rob you of the abundant life Jesus came to give you. You can't have abundant life when you can't sleep at night for worrying about your children. You can't have an abundant overflow. And the word abundant, that means abundant overflowing. You can't have an abundant life when you're worried about the direction of your nation. Worried about whether you're going to lose your job. Worried about the fact that you're getting old and your parts don't work anymore. This load, this mess that's on people today, it's robbing us of the life Jesus died to give us. And the Bible says, I don't want you to live like that. Of course, John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. Now, let me point something out here. Even doctors are telling us now and have been for some time, even physical nature says God did not design these bodies and minds and hearts to live under stress. Doctors are telling us that now. And uh, I want to show you that in the Bible. Your, your father designed you. He designed your whole makeup. The Bible said he made up our bodies, our minds, our souls, our hearts, our emotions, everything about us. We were not designed to live under stress by him. And we weren't designed to live carrying the burdens and problems of life. We weren't created for that. We can't handle it. We're not, you say, well, I can handle it. Well, I, technically you're dragging it, but it's killing you. God did not design us for this. Even our bodies break down. Of course, I've known that's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. I want you to see that with me. Turn me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. I want you to look at what the Bible says. Now, this is the book of wisdom, wisdom for life. And I want you to see what's been in here. Matter of fact, this has been in here for 2,800 years. And doctors are starting to discover this now. Proverbs, this is one of my favorite verses. They're all my favorites. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, a merry heart does good like a medicine. See the word merry heart. It could also be translated light heart, free heart, but it's the opposite of a burdened, heavy heart. Now a light, free heart that's not carrying the cares of life. What, what does it mean? It's like a medicine. It blesses your body physically. But look at the opposite in the rest of that verse there. A broken spirit dries the bones a broken spirit damages your body. Doctors are telling us that now. What's the four things we have to have to have a great, wonderful life? Four things you got to do. You got to eat right. I'm not making this up. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. These bodies were not designed to sit on their fannies and stare at a screen. God designed these bodies to move. Grandma said, told me years ago, you, listen, you'll rust out way before you'll wear out. What's the third thing you got to have? God created us to sleep. He designed these bodies. You can't break the Sabbath and get away with it. I don't mean go to church. It means rest. Rest your body. Rest your mind. Rest your soul. You need seven, eight hours of sleep. Now, what's the fourth thing you got to have? You got to get rid of stress. Doctors are telling us those are the four things that are killing people today. And stress has become number one. I watched a uh, documentary not long ago <clears throat> on centenarians, which is somebody that lives to be 100 years old. And they interviewed six, they saw, fellow interviewed 6,000 people that lived to be 100 years old. And uh, they were looking for common denominators. Well, they, of course, genetics was a common denominator. But outside of that, there were none. They, you know, some of them drank whiskey every day and ate bacon and eggs every morning. And, and you know, just some, li some even lived up north and lived a long time. It was just, <laughs> there was no common denominator. But they found one common denominator among folks that lived to be 100 years old. What was it? Stress-free. 
somehow either genetically or by their efforts or whatever, they learn not to let things worry them. And the doctor said that we've been saying this for years, that worry is killing people today. It's affecting their bodies physically. And the Bible says that. That's why it says that a merry heart is like medicine to your body, but a broken spirit, a heavy spirit, a burdened spirit uh, just dries your bones up. It hurts you physically. That, what, that's nature screaming, I didn't create you to live like this. It's God testifying through nature. I didn't create you to live like this. Turn back probably one page to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 says this. Now see if you agree, see if you think, see if the Bible's right. Isn't that, doesn't that sound funny? A merry heart, verse 13, Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. How many of you believe if, you, if, you don't have, if you're not weighted down and burdened and your heart's merry, it's going to show on your face? Anybody old enough remember the little children's song? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Liner said, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. What's the opposite in that verse though? But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. You can see that on people's faces too. I'm going to show you in the scripture. Said that, that, listen, the condition of our hearts affects everything. That's why the Bible said in Proverbs 4.22, guard your heart because your whole life flows out of your heart. Listen, your, your life doesn't come out of your head. You can have a tremendous intellect and a PhD and have a sucky life. Or you can be dumb as a brick, get your heart right and enjoy yourself. They say, well, you're too dumb to know any difference. Amen. <laughs> enjoy yourself. Listen, life flows out of your heart. That's why Proverbs 4.22 said, guard your heart because your heart dictates your life. Uh, look at one more verse with me here in Proverbs 15. Look in verse 15. All the days of the burdened or afflicted are evil. He who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Isn't that something? When your heart is heavy and burdened and loaded, the days are, life's just rough. It's tough. Struggling through life. But a person who has a merry heart, what's their life going to be like? It's just one long party. Just one long party. Jesus shows us. It's just a continual feast. I'm telling you, we've got to get back and get the heart at the center of everything. The, the, the heart of the matter is the heart. And our hearts don't need to be burdened and weighted down and fearful and nervous and worried about what this and thinks and that and thinks and yada yada and everything. Now, <clears throat> let me show you why we need to look at this today. See if you don't think this is true. Find the book of Nehemiah with me. Turn a little to the left through Psalms and you'll find Job. And if you need one, look it up in the book of Job. You'll see Esther. Then you'll see Nehemiah over there. Now see if you hadn't seen this happen before. See if you hadn't done this before. Nehemiah, this is an unusual story about a man. He was captured as a prisoner when Babylon invaded Israel. He was brought back as a prisoner of war. And this guy was so sharp and so smart that as a prisoner, he got in the government and moved all the way up and he became the president or the king's assistant. Now, hey, yeah, you'd be a pretty good guy. To, you'd be pretty sharp or whatever he had to come in as a prisoner. Next thing you know, you're number two man in the country. And he, he's the king's assistant. And he, every day he's before the king and he handles the king's affairs. Well, one of the jobs, if you were the king's assistant, I don't know if I'd want this or not, you tasted the king's wine before you handed it to him. Now, that's not because he wanted to share. That's if it's poison, it killed you first and he lived. I don't know if I'd want that job or not. But the Bible said he's doing this. Now watch what happened. Verse one of chapter two, Nehemiah 2, one. Came to pass in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, who was the most powerful man in the world at the time. Wine was before him. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I'd never been sad in his presence before. 
Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you're not sick? Look there. King looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? You're not sick, are you? And he, but he saw it on him. Now watch this. He said, why is your face sad that you're not sick? This is nothing but what? Sorrow of heart. What did the Bible say? What's in your heart's going to show. And he's sorrow of heart. And the king saw it. He said, what's, what's wrong with you? Why do you look so sad? Why do you look so bad? He said, there's nothing wrong with you physically. This is your heart. You got a problem, don't you? And of course, he went on to tell the king he had just gotten news. He had just found out that he had family problems. And his family problems were weighing on him. And, and he, he just looked so bad because what? The burden of his family and the problems of life and the stress of his family was weighing on him and it was showing on him and people could see it. People could see it around him. I, uh, I see this everywhere I go. I go into Walmart and I just stand there and I just talk to the Lord and say, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong in this nation? What's wrong in my nation right now? People just look like they've lost their best friend. I even see people like young people like this, just like this, sort of stooped over like they got actual weight on them. You know, it's the burdens of life. It's the weight. And the, well, don't you know what time we live in? I do. Don't you know who God Almighty is and what His Word says? All right, that's what we're here for tonight. So the burdens of life become so heavy. Let me, let me, now here's what I want you to see. Our sin bearer, Jesus who bore our sins, wants to bear your burdens too. He wants to carry your problems too. And I, I know a lot of people, I've met a lot of people through the years, dear old saints, they believe with all their hearts that Jesus forgave their sins. And he took their sins away at the cross, but they refuse to believe that he'll carry their problems. If he carries your sins, he'll carry your problems. Now I want you to see that. Turn to Isaiah 53. Don't take my word for it. Now, dear ones, when Jesus said, come to me, come to me, you who labor and are burdened down by life, I'll give you rest and it'll be light. He wasn't talking about salvation there. He wasn't talking about your sins. Getting, he was talking about helping you with the cares of life and the burdens of life and the problems we all deal with. Now, Isaiah 53 is that great prophetic passage where he describes Jesus and his sacrifice for us at the cross. And uh, this is perhaps the be- probably the number one prophetic passage about Jesus in the Bible. But uh, this is where we learn that Jesus bore my sin. You know, one of the reasons I'm so happy is I don't have any sins anymore. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes. Of course I am. But listen, my sins are gone. And oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins, not in part, but the whole, were nailed to the cross and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Listen, my sins are gone. Well, guess, I didn't, he didn't forgive me. Guess what happened? He laid them on his son. He laid on him the iniquities of us all. Read that with me in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verse 11 says this. Talking about Jesus shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Justify means made right. Therefore, the Bible says this, he shall bear their iniquities. Can you see where Jesus is your iniquity bearer? He's your sin bearer. Look at me in verse, uh, look in verse five also. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us. So can you not see in this passage that the Lord laid on Jesus our sins? He's my sin bearer. He bore my sins at the cross. But read verse four with me. Look what else he bore. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Same man that carried my sin carried my sorrows. 
The same man that carried my sins to the cross wants to carry my problems and my burdens too. Then you need to decide that Jesus that carries my sins is going to be the one that carries my problems too. He's going to carry my burdens and my struggles. And, and uh, there ain't no sense in me being saved and having Jesus and walking around with the weight of this world on my shoulders. And the care of the wonderful power. This is the theological foundation. Now, <clears throat> let me correct some bad theology from the old school. Years ago as a country preacher, I hear it once in a while from old people. Perhaps you've ever heard this before. Many a time, old people told me this now, preacher. You know, the Bible says the Lord won't put more on us than we can bear. How many of you ever heard anybody say that? Don't raise your hand if you said it, but you heard it. And they'll just, they'll, I've heard that a thousand times from old people going through a hard time or a family saying, now, you know, preacher, thank God the Lord won't put on us more than we can bear. And of course, you know, I, when I was young, I didn't know better than to challenge an old person. And I'd say to them, where does it say that? Oh, that'd make them mad there. They say, well, I don't know where, but it says it. Well, I was asking them because I knew good and well it don't say that. So I see some of you mad now. It don't say that. You say, hey, it does too. My grandma said it all the time growing up. Your grandma's wrong. That'll go over good, won't it? <laughs> it was, God won't put more on us than we can bear. God don't put nothing on nobody. Come to me if you labor and are heavy laden. I take the load off. You say, well, where'd they get it from? I don't know. Some goofball preacher didn't know how to translate the Bible. <laughs> they got it from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. See if you can get that out of this verse. Let me quote it to you. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way of escape so that you're able to bear it. Now, how'd you get God won't put more on me than I can bear out of that? <laughs> no, he doesn't put it on you. The Bible said in James 1, God tempts no man. He don't bring problems and burdens and struggles. He takes them away. And when, and when you are being tempted, what he promised in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he'll make a way for you to get out of it. He's the way maker, not the burden maker. I got enough problems being married and taking care of y'all without him loading me down. My goodness. He's the burden bearer. Oh, blessed dear hearts. My, I'm telling you, America is under a burden today. I see it everywhere I go. Like the King Artaxerxes who could see it on Nehemiah. I can see it on people. Uh, if, you, if you don't believe it, if you're young and you don't believe this, do me a favor. Go back and watch 1960s TV shows. Go watch Andy Griffith. Leave it to Beaver. My Three Sons. Father Knows Best. Oh, that's a good idea. Father Knows Best. You know what you see in those old shows? You see people, their heads are up. They're smiling. They're, they don't have a care in the world. They're lighthearted. They're just happy as they can be. That's happened in my lifetime where the burden of life has come down on this land. And the Bible talks in Isaiah 61 about a spirit of heaviness that just loads people down. And, and what do you see on TV and out in public day? People are just troubles, troubles, loaded down with troubles. And uh, if that don't convince you, look up statistics on psychiatric medication for problems and burdens and worries and struggles. If that don't convince you, go stand at the beer section at Walmart. You know, right in the middle of that pandemic, I'm standing in the corner store there where I buy gas at, right, Eli Whitney, where I live down there. And I'm talking to the fellow that owns it, wonderful fellow. And a lady, she comes in and I, she had steam. I could tell she had steam coming out of her ears. And she went back there and grabbed the biggest thing of, of booze they had, put it on the counter. She said, I'm going to kill him if I don't get something to drink. I said, go ahead and take it. I'll pay for it. I said, 
I ain't got time for no funerals in the community this week. You can just go ahead. <laughs> have we gotten that bad that our problems are so heavy on us that we have to stay drunk to live with them? My goodness. You know, I'm telling the truth too. Now, here's the question. A lot of people would, and they'd mean well, but they'd say to me, well, you know, it's not possible to live like that today. You can't live a carefree life today in this culture. Let me ask you a question. When did God rewrite the Bible? When did he change? Let's open our hearts and listen to him and listen to what he's got to say about this. All righty, now listen to this. We've already looked at, we're not gonna look back, Matthew 11, I quoted to you. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where he said, if life's burdening you and you're heavy, heavy laden, come to me. And let me teach you, learn from me, and the yoke will be easy and your life will be light, the burden will be light. But what verse 25 say? Father, I thank you that you've hidden these things that life can be carefree from those who are too smart for themselves. But you're showing people that'll humble themselves how they can live a carefree life. But you're showing it to babes. This is one of the, listen, apart from finding out that Jesus would be my savior, this is one of the greatest things I ever learned right here. Because you know, when I started out in the ministry 112 years ago, and I'd had all that training about, you gotta make the old ladies happy, and you gotta make the young ladies happy, and you gotta do this, you gotta be in the Kiwanis Club, and you, you gotta do this, and you have to be real stoic, and you have to, and I, man, I went, I like to kill me the first few years, trying to keep everybody happy. Finally, I just said, to hell with all of them, I ain't gonna do this no more. <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't have said that. Well, but you just reach a point where you say, it ain't worth it no more. I got to learn. And I saw in the scriptures where Jesus called himself my burden. But I said, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn. I don't believe you have to run and hide and stay drunk to live on this kind anymore. I believe Jesus tells the truth. All right. <clears throat> so uh, let me tell you what the Bible said. See what you think about this. One of the greatest statements Jesus ever made in Matthew 18, 3, he said, unless you can become like a little child, you can't walk in the kingdom of God. Now think about that. Doesn't mean you can't get into heaven. Unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? He defines it in Romans 14, 7. He said, the kingdom of God is a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Put them two together. Unless you become like a little child, you can't live your life in peace and joy. Because if you're an adult and life is serious, you're going to walk around weighted down with the problems and the burdens, and it's going to suck the life out of you. And it's going to dry up your bones, as Proverbs says. All right, Katie, now, we're, I was, we were, y'all, are y'all seen The Chosen? Y'all been watching The Chosen? You need to watch that. It's wonderful. Great picture. There's one of the series in there that's about Jesus and the children. A little girl finds out where Jesus is camped, and she brings her friends, and the children spend a day or two with Jesus, making things with him. And I showed it to Katie the other night. We was watching it. And it's just the best. The little children, they got their little dolls there just playing and bounce. They don't have a care in the world. Ask any dumb question they want to ask. And just no, no concerns at all. That's what child, doesn't mean childish. Childlike means you don't have a care in this world. You're just lighthearted. Well, that's what Jesus meant when he said, unless you can become like that, you can't enjoy the kingdom of God. Unless you become like a little child. Why do you keep saying in the Bible over and over, my little children? I'm 64 years old. I'm a man with a college degree. I'm not a little child. He's not talking about your actual age on your driver's license. He's talking about your heart attitude. Your heart. If you can become like a little child at heart, then you can experience the kingdom of God which is righteousness and peace and joy in, in, in the Holy Spirit. I, I'm sorry. I, should, I just think about this. I met a lady one time and bless her heart, she struggled a little bit mentally and everybody felt so sorry for her. And I got to watch her and I thought, who's struggling here? 
She's happy she can be. Didn't know there's a problem in her own. I thought, sounds to me like we're the ones struggling over here. My goodness. All right. I want you to look at one of the greatest verses you'll ever read. First Peter chapter five. So brother Brian, you just don't know the problems I've got. No, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to be serious. I don't discount the problems. We were never told we'd have a problem-free life. Ever. Listen, if you're going to be on this planet, you're going to have problems whether you follow Jesus or not. <laughs> I mean, they ain't but one place you can be and not have problems. You can be laying right here and I'm going to be talking nice about you. That's it. But if you're going to live on this planet, you're going to have problems. Guess why? There's people on this planet. Guess what follows people? Problems. People come up there, they can be so happy, say, we're getting married. And I think, why are you smiling? <laughs> I'm thinking, marriage is wonderful. I'm going to tell you, you marriages work. You can't amen that. You're the deaf, dumb, and blind. Now, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Son, marriage is worse. It's wonderful. It's worth it. Marriage is work. All right. I got three male amens out there. Finally got the boys to say amen. <laughs> I'm not discounting problems. The Bible says you're going to have problems. I'm going to show you that. But watch what he says to do right here. Let's read two verses together. First Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your care, excuse me, verse six, verse six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the what? Does it say the mighty hand of God? Does it say the mighty hand of God? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due time, he'll raise you up. I may believe God's almighty. Submit your life to him. Now watch this, verse seven. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Just a little short verse, be a life-changing verse for if you'll believe it. Now, did the Bible say you wouldn't have pro- care means problems, concern, worries, needs. Did the Bible say you wouldn't have cares in life? No, right, that verse proves you're going to have them. How can you cast them on him if you don't have problems? But what do you say to do with them? What you do, now what's the word all means? Anybody know what the word all means in Greek? I'm I'm wanting that to sink in right there. You need to take every concern, every problem, every need, every worry, every burden, every responsibility you have and do what with them? What does it say? Now, we don't use that term in our culture, cast. It's literally, it's a Greek word that's a picture of a man with a big heavy bundle on his back, a sack. And literally, the, the Greek word is roll off. You come to another fellow and you just roll your sack off onto his back. That's what it means. The Bible says you take all your burdens and you roll them off. And who do you give them to? Now, why can I do that? Read it. Why can I do that? I can take all my problems to him. Guess why? He's deeply concerned about my life. He cares about me. Let me tell you something. A man that'll sacrifice his son to save your soul, he'll take care of your family problems too. He'll help pay your bills. He'll make sure you got plenty. Years ago, a great president said, matter of fact, we just passed the anniversary of it, when he stood up before a nation and he said, all we have to fear is fear itself. Well, I don't know if he knew what he was saying, but he said a mouthful right there. But let me tell you, the greatest problem that everybody's worrying about today and all the problems we're worrying about today, our greatest problem is the worry itself. It's not the problem. It's the worry over the problem that's killing people. And the Bible tells me right here, take every every temptation to worry or be concerned or bothered about it, just take it all and just give it to the Lord. Just give it to the Lord. We used to sing old songs about this years ago before we got so complicated in our music. We sing an old song that says, leave them there, oh, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, God's surely going to bring you out. 
take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And they'd preach, y'all come on, sing it with me. And then they'd get to singing and it'd be sort of half-hearted to start with. After about the fourth time, they'd just be hollering, leave them there, wow, leave them there. You know, when you're that deep in worry, it takes a while to sing your way out. You understand what I'm saying? Years ago in churches, when I first started a little country church, we had what's called altars. Into every service, people just came to the altar and guess what they did down there? Took their burdens to the altars and left them there and got up and walked off and left them down there. My goodness, what the Bible says, take your burdens to the Lord in everything. The Bible says that in everything, you cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to look at that verse again and tell me something. Do you have to do something for him to have your concerns? What if you don't cast him on him? Then he won't have them. And you still do. When I, just between me and Jesus, put both of us up here side by side. Who you think's better at handling stuff? Let's vote. <laughs> he walked on water, raised the dead. I can't even get the dog shut up. And you think I need to be handling stuff? How foolish is that? Why not just let him handle it? Just give it to him. And just go to bed. The Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. <laughs> and it says both of us staying awake. What do you reckon? <laughs> All righty. You say, well, how you do that, Brother Brian? Now, let, there is a deliberate casting you have to do and that you've got to do this. And I've learned how to do this. I, I read this years ago and thought, God don't lie. If it's in there, I, I may not know how, but if it's in there, it's got to be possible. And then I want you to think, I sat and thought for a while, I said, think about, y'all think about this. Imagine a life where you didn't have a care in this world. Imagine if you had no concerns, no problems, no burdens. Doesn't mean you're not responsible. You get up and go to work, you do your part. But what if you had no worries at all? How would that change life? What if you didn't have a care in this world? <clears throat> Isn't that what he just promised right there? But, and I said, how do you do it? Well, let me show you the passage where it talks about how you do it. And I want you to remember this passage. Turn there to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. This is the actual how-to Philippians chapter 4. Boy, this is one of the greatest. This is the life-changing passage right here. About five or six verses we're going to look at here. You, you do what this says. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> How many of you know what a rut is? Anybody ever been in a rut? Rut's a grave with both ends knocked out of it. And we get in ruts. Even the, the uh, brilliant new neuro, Christian neuroscientist wrote the book we've been studying. Uh, she talks about how even in our thinking, if we think a certain way, it cuts patterns in our actual brains and we naturally think that way. And she says, that's why you got to work to think different. And that's, that's called a rut. Well, let me tell you something. You get in a rut of worrying and, and, and walking around heavy. You got to work a little bit to get out of it. Let me tell you, it's well worth it. All right, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter four. And we're going we're gonna to look at this. This is a wonderful passage about how to cast your cares upon him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why do you reckon he had to say it twice? Now, do you know what rejoice means? What's the root word of the word rejoice? Joy. And the word closer to our English word would be the word celebrate. Now, let me ask a question. Rejoice in the Lord what? How often is Always. Now, why don't one of you just get real cute and stand up and tell me you, that it's just not possible? You may not think it's possible. Let me ask you a question. Why did he put it in here? Is he being ugly to me? 
Is he taunting me? Is he telling me to do something I can't do? I read that one and I said, pray. I've had people say, well, you can't do it. I read it and said, praise God. Well, amen. If he says, do it, let's do it and see what happens. Now, let me make an announcement. It is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. You'll break yourself in half trying to rejoice and worry at the same time. Don't do it in front of us tonight. When you go home, get in front of the mirror and try it in the bathroom. Have you ever tried to rejoice and worry at the same time? Don't know what we're going to do. Praise the Lord. Oh, them kids are terrible. Hallelujah. It's just impossible to worry and rejoice at the same time. I want you to look and see if something's in that verse right there. Does it say, if you feel like it? No, sir. You know how you get to feeling like it? You do it. Don't wait till you feel like it to do it. Do it till you feel like it. But the point is, this is God Almighty speaking right here, saying to me, you celebrate my goodness to you all the time. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. How many, surely I wouldn't get out of the bed in the morning until I'd done started celebrating the goodness of the Lord and told him so. I'm not about to get out in this cruel world without praising God before I get going in the mornings. Ask me if I feel like an angel has come and said, arise, my love. I feel like a donkey walked across the bed before I get up in the morning. You don't have to feel nothing to start praising God. It, matter of fact, it takes me a while at this age to get my cranker cranked up. You understand what I'm saying there? But like that old Studebaker, if you'll keep pushing, it'll get going. Rejoice in the Lord always. By the way, the key to getting the stress off your life is to rejoice in the Lord. All right, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The six things we do here. The word gentleness, we do not have an English word that translates into that word gentleness. So they put gentleness. Some people put uh, graciousness. The best word for that Greek word it is like I ain't got a care in this world. Hey, here's a better word. Let your laid back spirit be known to all men. Let them see that you ain't in charge of nothing. Uh, I was talking one day years ago, my daughter, and I said, what's this right here? And she looked at me, she said, them ain't my monkeys and that ain't my circus. I said, well, I'm paying for you to learn this stuff at college. What are you talking about monkeys and circus? I don't know what that, what she was saying was, ain't none of my business. Not my concern. That's what the Bible said right here. Let people see that you don't have a care in this world. Let your laid back, relaxed spirit, let it be obvious to you. You ever met anybody like this? It's called a, it's sort of like a sanctified Jimmy Buffett syndrome. You understand what I'm saying here? Without the Margaritaville, you understand? And then the Bible says this. <clears throat> Verse six, five, six, be worried for nothing. Now I want to tell you something. Let's just stop a minute. You deal with them four words. Be anxious means worried, burdened, concerned. Some people call, I'm not, I'm concerned. It's close enough. It was if the Bible said, be worried. First time I read them four words, I said, praise God. I was taught you couldn't do it. I wouldn't think you could do it. But if that man says it can be done, it can be done. And I want to be a candidate for a life where I worry for nothing. I'm not anxious about anything. How about nothing ever bothers you? Wouldn't that be great? That's what it said right there. Don't be worried about anything. But can you also see something? Let me ask you if you can see something here. Did the Bible say, I'm going to force you not to worry? Or does it say that I got to make a decision in there? I got to make a decision. Be worried for nothing. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've had some folks, I thought, Lord Jesus, they're good Christian people. They don't cuss, swink, drink, or swear. I wish they'd drink a little bit. They'd loosen up probably. They're just good Christian people, but they worry. They are world champion warriors. 
they're only 52 and they look 105. Because worry will put wrinkles all over you. Can I get a witness? Hey, why are you using Botox? Quit worrying. And I, they just worry. And, and, they, and the problem, I said, don't worry me that much that they worry, but they call me and want me to worry about what they're worried about. Now we're in deep trouble. And, uh, but the truth is people get, they just live their lives so worried. I think some people get it from home. One fellow told me, he said, he said, my mom and my grandma was world champion warriors. He said, it just naturally passed down to me. Well, dear ones, I've often, but I thought to myself, well, Lord Jesus, if they quit worrying, what would they do with their lives? Well, he answers that too. Let's read it. Verse six. <clears throat> he said this, be worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Does it say pray with thanksgiving? Let me tell you something. Thanksgiving is the big word in there. Let me make an announcement. Oh, Lord, you know how bad it is down here. And Goober done run off with my daughter and it's terrible. It's, that's not Thanksgiving. That's whining. You're not praying. You're whining. I'm not being ugly. I'm trying to help you here. Dear ones, to just whine ain't going to help you or him. I, surely he turns to Gabriel and says, take over. I'm tired of this. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let's read these words. Make your request known to God. Now, what did that verse tell you to do right there? there, was there we, all got, we all got things in life that could bother us. Financial matters, family matters, health problems. We've got our own personal struggles that we deal with. I talked to a fellow the other day and he said, you know, I've got, a, I've got a besetting sin. I've fought it for 40 years. I said, keep fighting it. And we've all got personal things we deal with. Now, everything I come up, everything that, and listen, in my line of work, I get more than the average person of things I could have to worry about and struggle with. These things come up to us. I got to make a decision. Am I going to worry about this and think about it and fret over it and stew over it and feel bad about it? Or am I going to go somewhere and get on, get on my knees? And tell my heavenly father exactly what the problem is. And then and I do this physically. And I say, Father, here it is. And I'll hold it up in my hand. Take it to him. I say, now you said that I'm not supposed to handle this. You said you'd handle it. And I say it out loud. You said you'd handle it. And you said for me to cast it on you. And a lot of times I'll say, here it comes. And I'll just go like this. I say, it's all yours now. In the name of Jesus, it's all yours. And then what's the Thanksgiving part? I want to praise you and thank you. I'm done. Thank you that it's yours. It's not mine. And, and I just give it to you and I want to praise you and thank you. Now watch, don't get up yet from your knees. Watch this right here. Let's read it again. Verse six, be worried. Don't worry about stuff. In everything that comes, family, finances, whatever, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understandings will come down over your heart and over your mind. Now change one word in there. See the beginning of that word, uh, verse seven, where it says, and put the word until in there. I'm going to stay on my knees and thank him and praise him that it's his until a quietness comes over me. And it's like the burden's just lifted. Another of the old songs we used to sing are burdens, that lift, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. And the Bible tells me right there, <clears throat> now I've got a lot of problems to deal with, different people's problems. You got, well, I've got problems. Everybody does. It doesn't deny that. What does it say do with them? I've got to make it. I'm not going to lay in bed and think about it at night. I'm going to walk around. Listen, I've figured this out. Thinking hadn't done me a lick of good. I'm not that smart. He is. 
and uh, I can do one or two things. I can worry about it. I can call my friend and talk about it. I can complain about it or I can go get on my knees somewhere and say, we got this bill coming up. I don't know how we're going to pay it. And I got this problem with a child and you know, they don't listen to me. They wasn't listening when they was three. Certainly not listening now that they're grown and or whatever, or I got something in me. I don't understand. And in the name of Jesus, I just want to take, I just get, I just go there. It's yours. And I cast my care upon the Lord. And then I just praise him and thank him and stay down there and keep thanking him till all of a sudden it's like you ain't got a care in this world. Guess what happened? You done rolled your care over on him. You cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Then what do you do then? Get up and go enjoy your life. Get up and enjoy yourself. And a friend of mine was teaching on this years ago. I remember listening. It was the funniest thing. <clears throat> His car payment was coming due. Poor, poor traveling evangelist trying to start out. Had no money. Car payment coming due. And he said, I just... He said, I, I thing was due and said, they're going to take my car back. Only had one car. Families only had one car back in the 50s and 60s back then. And he said, I, middle of the night, woke wide awake. And, and this just thought came to me, car payments due, what you going to do? What you going to do? And he said, I tried to go back to sleep. said, I'm just worried about it. said, I couldn't do it. said, I decided, well, I'm stupid to lay here in the bed. Well, you can't make a car payment laying in the bed in your pajamas. He said, I just got out of bed and got out on my knees on the linoleum and did it. And just, I just gave it to the Lord and gave it to him and just cast it on him and said, now it's all yours. And he said, it took me about three or four runs to get it over. It's like fly paper. You know, I'm just sort of stick to your hand, but if you'll keep casting, it'll get there. And he said, I got back in the bed and went to sleep, said about early, well, wide awake and wide awake. And he said, I know it was the devil because God don't do this to you. I know it was the devil because God don't wake you up and worry you. He's the burden bearer, not the burden putter on her. And he said, thought come to me. He said, your car payment's due. And he said, I just started laughing. And said, I was sometimes, what are you laughing at? And I said, I'm laughing at you, Mr. Devil. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, you said, I car payment's due. He said, I don't even have a car payment. He said, now you done gone to line. I said, no, I don't have one. I gave it to the Lord and it's his. And I, I need my rest. Good night. And it was just a battle sometimes. It's, it's a battle with that thing. <laughs> Let me tell you, have you ever just thought about, have you ever had this in you, come in your head? What you going to do? What you going to do? You ever had that happen to you? What you going to do? I think I told this before. Years ago, I'm driving a truck. I'm coming through Alabama late at night, middle of the night, nobody on the road. And I went by, I know it was where I was at because I remember seeing the sign, welcome to Fort Payne, Alabama. Who knows what that's famous for? It's Alabama. That's where the group Alabama's from. Population six, them and their girlfriends. That's where they live down there. <laughs> I'm going by Fort Payne, Alabama and I had some kind of problems or some kind of cares and I had the windows down on the truck and I'm flying up, I think it's I-95, 85 over there. And I'm flying up the highway and my problems, and I had the radio off and just riding. And all of a sudden I got to think about what you going to do? And what are you going to do about this? What, you know, this problem, that problem, what are you going to do about this? And I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, you know, it's dumb to worry about something you don't know what to do. Y'all don't have to agree if you don't want to. And, and I'm going down the road there and I'm sort of thinking about it. And all of a sudden, you know how them truck tires on a, tire, on a big truck get real loud? The front left tire started singing to me. As it went round and round, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna? Do? Lo and behold, the front right joined in and they're doing a duet. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Just coming at me like, and then dang, the drive wheels joined in and they had a whole choir. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? I mean, like bullets. Well, what you gonna do? Well, you know what I did? I always kept my Bible on the dog box up on the platform right there. I just picked up my Bible and said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm going to act like this book is true. That's what I'm going to do. And I laid it back down and it was dead silence. Not a, not a, listen, we're going to act like the Bible's true because it is true. That's what, now my, I said all that to say this. It can be a battle. 
It can be a time where you've got to throw it back once in a while. But the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. And everything that comes up, you just take, take that burden and you give it to him and you cast on him and you praise him and thank him until that peace of God. Now, I want you to look at verse seven with me. One of the greatest promises in the Bible. There's a peace that comes when everything's right. You know, mama's acting right. The youngins are acting right. Your bills are paid. Got money in your pocket. You feel good. Your health's good. Everybody's acting like they got some sense. And I know you don't, we don't have them days on this planet no more. But there's a time when you can have a peace because nothing's wrong. That's not this peace. This is the peace of God. Peace of God is the Holy Spirit. It's different. And the Bible said, I want you to look at this promise in verse 7. There's a place where the peace of God will come down over your heart and over your mind and guard you. What does guard mean? Worry can't get to you. Anxiety can't get to you. Fear can't get to you. It's a powerful peace. Let me show you a picture that this is the peace of God. And Jesus said in John 14, 26, my peace I, I leave with you. I give to you. Not the world's peace where you get drunk and forget or you don't have a problem, but the peace of God I give to you. And then he said this, listen to what Jesus said to me and you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Now he, your salvation is the greatest gift he ever gave you, but I think his peace is the second greatest gift he ever gave us. Even better than provision. Did Jesus walk in peace? Let me just pull out a, for instance, Mark chapter four, they, him and his boys are headed somewhere and a, a killer storm comes down and it was so terrible. Seasoned sailors thought they were going to die. They're screaming, we're going to die. Where was Jesus? Do you remember? He's asleep. Was it because he's deaf and didn't know what was going on? He didn't have a problem. You know why he didn't have a problem? We don't know what noble means. It, it means uh, edifying, in, inspiring. Whatever things are true, whatever, whatever things are inspiring. The Bible says, whatever things are uh, just or honorable, whatever things are pure, whatever things are beautiful, whatever things are of good report. How many think the Bible is going to say, think on that together. How many of you know a worry-free life got something to do with how you think and what you choose to think about? Now, 
Who chooses my thoughts? Might as well go and say it. I know what the answer is. Can you see here that what I choose to think about has got a lot to do with my life? Think on these things. And then uh, <clears throat> I love this verse right here. Verse nine says this. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, start doing them. Start doing them and the peace of God will be with you. Well, Paul wrote this and he practiced it. In this very letter, he says over and over, I am glad and I rejoice. And Philippians is the book of joy. And he just talks about how he's full of joy. His joy is overwhelming. He is sitting in a stinking prison with a death sentence on him for preaching. He's fixing to be executed. His friends have turned against him and joy just flows out of him like a river. Like he ain't got a care in this world. And what's he saying? Now you do what I'm doing. Do what I'm doing right here. If ever a man was in a mess, he is. And yet joy just flows out of him. This peace that he talks about. And it's one of the greatest gifts God will ever give you. But I'm gonna say it again. <clears throat> You got to make a decision. Oh, I'm done worrying. When I do this, it means you. <laughs> you got to make a decision. I'm done. I don't care if I got three generations of it. The buck stops tonight. And I'm going to quit this. I'm going to cast my cares on the Lord. And it's a decision. Now, let me tell you something. It takes practice. Because let me tell you, you'll find yourself slipping back into it and say to yourself, now, you know better than this. I thought we decided not to do this no more. Now, let me make an announcement. I hope this don't offend you. <clears throat> Worrying is the sin I've had to repent of in my life more than any other sin. Now I heard somebody, I heard you think it. You don't think I can hear this stuff. I heard you think it. You're telling me worrying's a sin. Let's vote. All right. If the Bible says thou shalt not steal, is stealing a sin? If the Bible says be worried for nothing. Same Bible said don't steal, said don't, don't worry. Now, no, not, not, now you're worried because you're sinning. Don't, don't do that either. We're here to help you tonight, not to beat you up. Listen to me. This is one of the greatest truths ever taught that when the Jesus who's already saved your soul says, now let me carry your problems. Let me bear your burdens. And I'm going to tell you something from personal experience. I've worked a few things out in my life and I was bedraggled when I got done. So I'm a pretty smart fellow. I can work stuff out. But you'd be surprised how many times I've just said, I'm going to turn this over to you and I'm not going to miss a minute's sleep and I'm not going to worry about it and I'm not even going to think about it and I'm not going to hear about it. And I want to praise you and thank you. And anytime it'd come back to my mind, I'd just praise you and thank you, Lord. You got, you're you good at it. You got this handled. I'd say it out loud. I'm thank you that you're handling it. You'd be surprised that the good things have happened when you turn it over to him and just let him. He said he'd do it. He said he cares about you and he'd do it. <clears throat> And uh, I don't, I'm not saying you got to repent. I just want to say it's a good idea. All right, let me, I'm going to quit with one last thing here. How many of you know what normal is? How many of you know what normal is? Well, years ago, man, a great Chinese saint who was in prison for 20 years for loving Jesus wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. How many of you know what normal is? All right, you can find normal. You got to find it from one of three places. You can look around your society and the people around you where you work and go to school and say, well, I guess they're normal. So I need to be like them. I ain't gonna be like folks are today. This is my one life and it's too short to live like that. All right, well, I'll go down to the church and I'll find out how they live. That must be normal. That's dumber than going to the saloon. I just wanted people in the saloon here happy and folks in the church. You ever noticed? I said, well, it's drug-induced. Well, they got it. <laughs> no, matter of fact, I know folks that after, when they take their 
quote Christianity serious, they're more burdened than they were lost because they're trying their best to be a good Christian. That ain't the way it's supposed to work, doc. He's the burden lifter. Where are you going to find normal? How about this book right here? All right, I'm going to know what magnetic north is. I'm fixing to give you something valuable. I'm going to know what magnetic north is. Well, you, you young GPS generation, you don't know nothing about magnetic north. Before GPS came along, I was a boy when my uncle, who taught me how to hunt and fish and be outdoors, he gave me a compass. And I just little boy, and he taught me how to use it. He said, now this will get you out of the woods. And he taught me, find north and go that way. And always use this compass to find where you're supposed to go. And I lived by that compass till GPS come along. Because, you know, we'd be hunting off some place out there. Well, did you know the Bible has a magnetic north in it? The Bible, there's a place in the Bible. Matter of fact, he put it right in the center of the Bible so you could find it easy. He said, this is normal. I rebuke the spirit of silence. All right. The Bible is going to show you this is normal Jesus life right here. Let's turn and look at it. uh, I'm really sorry for what I said to you this afternoon. I I promise I won't say it no more. I was talking ugly to the sound guys today and I keep forgetting they have the last word. Turn me to Psalm 100. Then when Psalm 100 is magnetic north, this is normal. This is where believers live in the good times and the bad times. And there's a reason. This is, by the way, if you was to do a measurement, this is dead center of the Bible. And there's a reason he put it right in the middle. And Psalm 100 is magnetic north. I I read this every day of my life. Never a day goes by that I don't read Psalm 100 and calibrate my mind and heart to what it says right here. This is normal Christian living right here. And I want you to learn this. Right here it is. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's normal right there. Now, who wrote this? Question, who wrote this? God Almighty wrote this. This is the Bible. This is God speaking to you. And what's he say about it? And for those, well, you need, to take, you need to take things more serious. I wouldn't preach a revival. It wasn't much of a revival because you can't revive the dead. You got to be <laughs> at some church up near Raleigh. And uh, I just had the best time, was enjoying myself. Got done with me and the preacher sitting in his office afterwards. And this little couple come and knocked on the door. And uh, they walked in and I could tell by the way they came in, this wasn't going to be fun. They looked like they'd been vaccinated with pickle juice and uh, stuff with a curtain rod when they walked in there. And, <laughs> And uh, they said, Pastor, we have a concern. Of course, she spoke up. He knew not to speak because she was the queen bee. She spoke up and she said, uh, I don't think that we should have this kind of levity in our pulpit here. You know what levity means? It means you're enjoying your life. And they were upset because I was laughing, actually laughing in the house of God. And uh, he said, well, we'll deal with it. And they turned around and left. said, good, as long as you understand that we don't need this kind of stuff in our church. Me sitting right there. And they turned around and left. And I said to the preacher, I said, what you want me to do? He said, he said, go on and enjoy yourself. So I'm fixing to run them off anyway. And I thought, where did we get this stuff from? Dear ones, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with what? What's normal? Gladness is normal. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now here's why. Know that the Lord, he is God. You're not. He is God. He's the mighty God. And he made you. Listen, if he made you, you don't need to answer to nobody but him. Made you for himself. Now watch this. We're his people. Dear ones, why am I worried if I'm the sheep of his pasture? If he's my shepherd and I'm his sheep, listen, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He doesn't make me look sad and gloomy. He makes me lie down in green pastures and feeds me on his word, leads me beside. He restores my soul. He don't load it down. I said, Brother Brown, you don't understand. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Keep on walking. That's why I says through, 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 son, through. Don't camp there. <laughs> Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. He's right here. His rod and staff are with me. He comforts me. Listen, he prepares a table before me. You think you ought to prepare an emergency room. A table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's a big old bowl of victory and then there's milk and there's honey, there's bread. Now, if you're Baptist, there's not a glass of wine. Give that to the Pentecostals. But he's celebrating big time over there. And listen, he doesn't beat me up. He anoints my head with fresh oil. Never know what the future's gonna hold. Goodness and mercy gonna follow me all the days of my life. And then when I croak, I'm going to glory and I was wanting to go there anyway. This is normal right here. This is normal living right here. <clears throat> Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I don't think wine will get you in there. His courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. He's good and it's going to last. That's it. Psalm 100, normal Christian living right there. You say, well, I won't fit in nowhere. Praise God. You're supposed to be the light of the world, not the thermostat of the world. I mean, you're supposed to show them what it's like, not measure what they're doing. All right, Jesus is our burden bearers and you need to learn to cast your cares upon him. Now, <clears throat> I had a fellow ask me this one time I was teaching along these lines and he said, but what if you cast your cares on him and he don't take care of them? I said, well, number one, he can't lie. But number two, let me point something out to you. Even if he don't take care of them, you're still gonna be better off not worrying about them. Amen. I'm telling you, Jesus got an answer for everything. There is a peace. There's a sweetness that comes from Jesus where it just lifts you up. You ever wonder why the Bible said you don't need to be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit? Because the peace of God's Spirit will do the same thing for you, cheap wine will. And it's free. And you won't wake up in the morning hurting either. Y'all know what wine does to people? Uh, you should amen that. I know good and well you know what wine does to people. It takes all your cares and concerns. That's why people drink, to forget and get their burdens lifted. You don't need, I'm not, I'm not fussing. I'm, I'm just saying that's the peace of God's what you need. You don't need the peace of Boone's farm. You need the peace of God's what you need. <laughs> well, isn't it wonderful? I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to preach no more. I, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I'm going to tell you what. It is the truth of God's word and it's a wonderful day when you can live your life to celebrate and enjoy it. I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth and from his word. Well, let's thank him and praise him. Father, I want to bless you and praise you for your goodness. Where in the world we got all this religious heaviness from? And all this, like we're running the show, like we're in charge, like we have to drive the thing. I want to praise you that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I thank you that you don't beat people up. You make people lie down. Father, sheep don't lie down in a green pasture unless they're at rest. If they're worried and afraid, they stand up and look nervous. Thank you that you make us lie down in green pastures. Thank you for the still waters of your spirit that restore our soul when we're lonely and beat up. I want to praise you that Jesus, who is my sin bearer, is also my burden bearer, my provider, my best friend, my comfort, my healer, my everything, even my sanctifier. No sense me worrying about becoming like you if you said you'd do it. I want to give you the praise and glory and honor. And I want to pray for my friends tonight. Thank you that the eyes of our hearts are open. And like a little child, we see the truth of God as you smile at us and say, this is how I want you to live right here. And thank you, Father, 
Those that need a lot of help in this area, I encourage them and I ask you to encourage them. Holy Spirit, go with them and tell them, let's start over. Let's start over and keep starting over till we get this thing good, till we can live our lives in the peace of God. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.